0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Support for Gigpod is brought to you by Swiss Movement. Quality watches at affordable prices. Check out their website at www.swissmovement.co and get 10% off all watches with the code GIGPOD88. Hello and thanks for downloading episode 60 of the Glasgow is Green podcast, a.k.a. Gigpod. I'm Steve and I'll be discussing the 3-2 win over Hearts, which saw us progress to the next round of the Premier Sports Cup. Now, spunk phones and a gutter in Newcastle and Reeds was taking time off to prepare for his big role on Wednesday night, which is hosting the reaction pod to the AZ game, as I'm likely to be going. So, I have drafted in a Hearts fan, a well-known Hearts fan. To give his perspective of yesterday's game, it's Robert F. Bothwick. Robert, welcome to GigPod.
0: Thank you, thank you very much Stevie. I feel like it's it's been too long since uh, us two fellow podcasters uh, just started recording some stuff. So, delighted, delighted to be here mate.
1: You were last on when Hearts routinely get bodied off Brendan Rodgers' side back in the Invincible season, weren't you? That was when you were last on talking about Hearts and Celtic games on the first incarnation of GigPod.
0: Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Um, I've—I mean, I've—I've I've come on and spoken about so many bodyings uh, of hearts on this podcast before, so they all—they all
1: kind of roll into one. Indeed, and one of the best things about when we charted GigPod the first time when GigPod was away, if you will, was the fact that we conveniently did it, Robert, a month or two just before Hearts ended Celtic's big unbeaten run by winning four nil at Tyne Castle So that worked out well for everyone, I'm sure.
0: It did. It did. Aye. Uh, I mean, we can just talk about that game if you want. <laughs> um, it's, it's up to you.
1: No, I'd rather not talk about that actually, but I would like to talk about Craig Gordon shipping goals though, which he did in that game and we'll get on to that later, but first off, um, Robert, yesterday's game Celtic won 3-2 and the lineups, where did you think Hearts went wrong or where did Celtic go right? Celtic lined up 4-3-3, Hearts lined up in a 5-3-2 formation, did you think that was the right call for Nielsen?
0: Yeah, I did actually, I did, um, because that's how we finished the game at Tynecastle, uh, when we beat you a couple of weeks ago, um, and Celtic were overrun us in the midfield, they had too many bodies, uh, and we changed it up, brought on Peter Haring, and then the last 10 minutes of that game we, we kind of dominated it, and probably deserved the, the second goal on the run of play at that time, um, so I, I didn't see a huge issue with it, I think. The issue for me was the lack of width, the lack of pace, um, and not having big, big arm man uh the big six foot five striker that we have uh, available, because he he makes a difference. He can hold it up. We didn't have that. We had Gary McKay, Stephen, who's built like the you know side of a fiver, and uh, Liam Boyce. So yeah, it was always going to be a tall ask. But when I saw the lineup, I understood the thinking. I saw where he was coming from, and um, so I wasn't. I wasn't too annoyed or distressed by it until about five minutes into the game and I was like, right, I I can see exactly what's gonna happen here.
1: Yeah, I mean Celtic really were relentless. They started with such an enthusiastic energy that you haven't seen for a Celtic side since arguably Brendan Rogers in his first season, but the wave after wave of just relentless attacking. As I said, it was a joy to watch. As a Hearts fan, Robert, you must have been thinking you were in for an absolute doon after the first 15 minutes or so when you just saw Hearts could not get anywhere out of their own half. Celtic pressed them, they pinned them in. Um, and I know you, Robert, as a Hearts fan, you have seen better Hearts sides taking a doon at Celtic Park and putting worse displays, but what were you thinking after the first opening quarter where Celtic were just very, very impressive. Even before they made it one, now.
0: Um, I, I was kind of thinking that I've just I've, I've seen this film before. <laughs> to be honest, that was going to Celtic Park, and, and they sit like five, 10, 15 yards too deep. Um, you know, they give far too much respect to guys that can play football. David Turnbull, Tom Rogic, Cal uh, McGregor even was was pulling the strings in there as well. And it was just like uh, Andy Halliday uh, was a man down. Um, Benny Beningame. Was absolutely outstanding at Timecastle against Celtic. First forty-five minutes, he was completely off it, um, and they were just they were allowing far too much time and space. I can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to make the the middle of the park busy, so Celtic couldn't play through the middle. But they were allowing too much space to the likes of James Forrest, Greg Taylor, these guys to to make a difference. And it was just, I don't know if it was a, a guaranteed doing uh, at that stage, but certainly as the as the half went on, and even up to, to the halftime whistle, I was thinking, "I hey, this could be." Easily three or four now, uh, maybe five. I've I've seen I've seen all those scorelines before, so um, I, at half time I was more worried, uh, but the the opening exchanges were just. I was I was doing co-commentary on the game, as you know, Stevie, and uh, I, I don't think I mentioned a Hearts player's name uh, for about twenty-five minutes because it was just
1: Celtic on the ball. You actually do co-commentary for Hearts TV officially, Robert.
0: Yes, that's right, that's right. So I do uh, mainly for the away games. Uh, I do the, the co-commentary. So I was in a, I was actually in the the shadow of Ibrox uh, in a in a recording studio. Um. So, aye, it was... I've done the co-commentary for a, a few months now and that is easily, easily the worst experience that I've had doing co-commentary because it was just... It was relentless, man. It was it was brutal.
1: You commented on Hearts away games and Hearts were indeed away yesterday when Odds and Edward opened the scoring. Now, we talked about this goal, Robert. Um, we've had very different views on who was to blame. I know that Kyogre's ball was an absolute stunner to James Forrest, whose assist was met by Odson Edward who made it 1-0. I personally felt that Craig Halkett was so, so slow in getting back and allowing Edward to get in. And I thought Craig Gordon's angles were all over the shop. But you wanted to also say that you felt John Souter was also um, culpable for that goal.
0: From a Celtic perspective... Really good goal, uh, you know, absolutely quick as a whip, uh, counter-attack almost from the, the, the final third, in behind to Kyogo, wonderful, wonderful pass from Kyogo and, and Forrest's uh, composure to just take a touch and, and look up. It was really good, uh, nice fast forward goal from a Hearts perspective. John Suter is John Suter is doing actually, bizarrely, what I was asking for them to do, which is step 5-10 uh, yards further up the pitch. But he was the only one that did it. <laughs> so when he stepped up, it meant there was acres of space in behind him for Kyogo. And obviously, that's where the ball went. And from there, I mean, it's you're asking a lot of Craig Halkett Because the first thing that he tries to do is, is stop the pass from Kyogo, which is absolutely the right thing to do. As soon as the ball's released, Edward's got the run on him already. I mean, Edward's absolutely flying into the middle of the box. And it's hard for him to get back. Um, you know, shambolic defending uh, from Hearts. A couple of different reasons for that. As I say, John Suter stepping out, uh, but also, uh, you know, Craig Halkett not being able to stop the pass from Kyogo and then from there on, and it was simple. I don't think, see when you're basically three on one, I, I find it hard to blame the goalkeeper for that. I think blame can be pushed at Gordon later on in the game, 100%. But for that one, I mean, yes, if the ball goes to Odds Edward unmarked in the six yard box, he's going to score it nine times out of 10, probably 19 times out of 20. Um, so I'm not sure you can blame Gordon too much for that but definitely John Souter stepping out uh, is, is really what killed us there and none of the other defenders following him
1: See Barca's was in goals and he got his angles wrong and we conceded a goal like that when Edward made that one now. Celtic Twitter would have just been in a meltdown. I'm saying it from that perspective that if it was, you know, I personally thought Gordon's angles were over the shot, but.
0: You're, you're coming from a Celtic fan angle where you have PTSD about how fucking rubbish your goalkeepers are. So I can understand that, but whereas Craig Gordon has been absolutely outstanding for the last year since coming back to Harps. So I, I think maybe maybe you've got a more keen eye for bad goalkeeping. Uh, than I do because we've been very fortunate uh, with, with Mr Mister Craig Gordon
1: If we can talk about the second goal now um, Kyogo uh, thinks really really quickly, lays it off to Edward um, and it's a short corner and there's two Hearts players that rush to closing down now, two Hearts players I believe it's Cochrane and Kingsley and in the end they completely fail to stop Edward's quick cross uh, Stephen Welsh, bullets on my header and, t- and it's 2-0 and the game is essentially done but from a Celtic point of view, I'm looking at that and saying that's the sort of quick thinking we would never have seen any time last season. It was a joy to watch and Kyogo is just miles ahead of the opposition again. But from a Hearts perspective, without defending, and you raging at those? Um, actually, there's three players around Edward really, and not one of them gets anywhere near them. And you moaning at that or are you just saying, no, you know what, that's that's just what Celtic are going to do to even better teams than us?
0: No, I'm I'm 100% moaning. Um, you, you're absolutely right. Alex Cochran, Stephen Kingsley... Both try and shut down the short corner threat, but Benny Benigni is there as well. Um, so there's actually three of them covering a short corner where there's there's two players involved. It's just mind-boggling um, the the lack of foresight. And Stephen Kingsley and Alex Corkin are run, running alongside each other. Both of them are good headerers of the ball. They're, they're both defenders. You know what I mean? They they should be in the middle trying to anticipate a, a ball into the box. And then as soon as Edwards given that time and space. Stephen Welsh, it's a really good run from him, but it's it's Craig Halkett that he gets up above. Halkett's not got a chance, man. He's you know Halkett's Halkett's defending the space that he should be defending, but absolutely no one's there with Stephen Welsh marking that run, following him, doing anything to to stop it. It's a really really good header from Welsh as well. I have to say, uh, down into the ground, into the bottom corner, great great header. But it's so I, I said it yesterday, just preventable. Like both those first goals were the sorry, the first and second goal and the third goal are all from a Hearts perspective really preventable and it was just it was kind of typical of Hearts in that first half they were they were two three four five yards off it at all times uh, not just when on the ball but when off the ball trying to press and trying to make tackles and trying to stop crosses they were just nowhere near it and that was that was I mean the best example of it was that that
1: goal. Okay, here's a question for you. You're talking about how off at Hearts were and that maybe comes down to the fact that Hearts generally aren't expected to press and get near Celtic, especially at Celtic Park. But think a lot of that's down to the fact that Hearts last season were playing in the championship maybe weren't as intense and, you know, weren't they up against teams like Celtic week in, week out where they really weren't expected to do that. And it's alright to say that yes to that, right? Because I do remember in the cup final though in the second half, as we remember Robert, in the three three game that we won in penalties, Hearts pressing and Harry does big time in that second half. So What's that all about then, in terms of the fitness? Is it just a case of Hearts still to get up to speed with that level in the Premier League?
0: It's not. It's not even about fitness. You know, Robin Nielsen's teams are always very, very fit. He puts them through double and, and, and triple training sessions sometimes to get them up to that that fitness. It was a mindset thing uh, at the weekend. It was we saw it in the second half at Timecastle as well. Celtic. I mean, although they didn't really create that much in in the way of chances in that game, they had all the possession and they were pushing Hearts back because they had the possession. Hearts players were. You know, Andy Halliday said after that game, he was like, it's just a natural thing. When you're under pressure, you drop back five yards because you just think, right, defend the goal, defend the goal. But you can't do that at Celtic Park. It's a bigger pitch. Um, it's it's a, a pitch that Celtic are used to. And obviously, since that game at Time Castle, Celtic have improved immeasurably as well. But like you say, the blueprint's there for what Hearts can do to Celtic. And that is the, the cup final. Um, annoyingly, um, you know, Nielsen sort of came out and said... Yeah, we went with similar tactics, and as we did in the cup final, it's like right. But we were terrible in the first half of that cup final. We are two 0 down at half time. You can see a bit of a trend coming here. Like it's exactly what happened at the weekend as well. So, aye, it's it's massively frustrating. But I don't think it's a fitness thing. Um, I think the players, you know, need to snap out of that. If they if they come under pressure against the Rangers or an Aberdeen, who are all teams that play on the front foot as well, you can't be sitting back that far on the pitch, because teams will hurt you, good teams will hurt you, and that's exactly what Celtic did. I think, actually, Celtic should have been completely out of sight uh, when it came to half time because the, the chances were there, the space was there, and, and, and Hearts were nowhere.
1: In the second half, Hearts did improve, and a lot of that was down to the fact that a podcaster who sometimes plays football, Andy Halliday, was taking off and Joshua Giannelli came on. And what a difference he made.
0: He's, he did it in the cup final as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you can remember, but he's just, he's that kind of player. He he puts his opposite number on the back foot all the time. He just runs at them and runs at them. And he's got like real pace, you know, in, in Scottish Premiership standards, he's, he's like them. And that's what he did. You know, straight away, he uh, he pinned Starfelt, uh, got round him, he tried to claim for a penalty. It was never a penalty. Um, Starfelt's just sort of eased him off the ball. Um, but that just kind of shows you exactly what is there to, to offer. Um, he, he sort of had a, a really big role in Gary McKay-Stevens' goal uh, a couple of weeks ago against Celtic as well, doing exactly the same thing, getting past Starfield and getting the ball into the middle. So uh, he was an outball. You know, he's, he's, he's what we didn't have in the first half, someone that you can find down the channels who hold on to the ball and and create opportunities. Nielsen said after that he wasn't fit enough for ninety minutes because he would uh, he'd had a bug through the week he hadn't trained that much. It kind of makes me think why didn't we play him for the opening forty five minutes? Do you know what I mean because it's you know that's when Celtic were absolutely battering us. Exactly, exactly. That's that's when we were getting. That's when we're getting battered, but you know I, I, I'm not a manager. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the thinking was or uh, the the chat was behind closed doors. But he came on and he made he made a huge difference, and that's what he can do. He, he wasn't good against uh, St. Mirren last weekend. I think that's maybe another reason why he didn't start the game. He just he, he couldn't get his foot on the ball. Nothing was coming off for him. But yeah, he's he's a player that on a big pitch like Celtic Park as well can make a huge difference because he's he's got the pace to do it.
1: And it was indeed his pace and the outball that Hearts were missing that helped get Hearts back into the game. And Starfelt gave away a penalty with a hack down Liam Boyce. Ridiculous decision for him. Really, really stupid one to give away. And boys makes it two one. But I know that when we were talking yesterday, you weren't impressed with Starfield at all, were you?
0: I can only speak about what I've seen, Stevie. And I am not sure about this boy at all. Like he's he, at Time Castle, he was uh, he was Bambi on ice. Uh, he looked really unsure any time the ball came to him. Um, any time that, that someone ran at him, he was people were getting past him, and you saw that again yesterday. The, the times that we actually ran at Starfield, they got past him. Um and he, he just he makes rash decisions like for the penalty, like it's said, not it's not a good ball in from Ginelli. It's it's not great, you know, he's hit along the ground, there's not a huge amount of pace on it. And he's tried to take a first touch when in reality all he has to do at that time of the game was at the forty-seventh or eighth minute or, or whatever it was, just hoof it away. Do you know what I mean? You you can you can start again, that's absolutely fine, but he's tried to take a touch, he has no idea whatsoever that Liam Boyce is behind him. And Boyce is just smart. Boyce gets the touch and, and Starfield volleys him in the in the calf and it's a, it's a stonewall penalty. But I'm just, I'm not sure about him. I don't know if it's maybe, if he needs a bit more experience beside him. You know, a, a, a big boy beside him that can do the, the, the dirty work because he's obviously, he can play football. You've seen him step out and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not, not convinced by him so
1: far. I'm still willing to give him time because, you know, it's still only August and I do think they will improve. I've seen this before when I remember the, the notable one would be Alan Stubbs who came in and had some right howlers. You had a lot of Celtic fans saying why did we spend enough £4 million on this guy? Okay, don't get me wrong, it did take a, an extra season. But Starfelt, hopefully Robert, from my point of view, develops an understanding with the rest of the defence. We've still got to bring in other defenders as well, which we've covered on this podcast umpteen times now in the last few weeks. But I'm hoping Starfelt can eventually settle because on the ball. He looks absolutely fine. But yeah, there was no need for them to have like two and three touches in yesterday. It was just a case of get out of the park, do the simple things. Stuff like that, when you're giving a goal away and Hearts you know, get back into the game. It just came out of nowhere. And I couldn't be, I couldn't actually see Hearts getting back in that at all. But we're going to get punished against far better teams more consistently if Starfield doesn't cut stuff like that out. So I hope he learns from it. He's very early and he's Celtic career to do that. So I'm not going to sit here and crucify him or anything. And we did get a bit of luck because I did say at the game yesterday, that hearts have got it in them to implode and do something stupid. And they did, through Craig Gordon. Now, this is about bit that I'm going to love, Robert, because you are a Craig Gordon mark, whereas I don't hate him as much as a lot of other Celtic fans, but I definitely don't think this whole narrative of a few weeks ago that Celtic should never get rid of him, is never going to wash for me. And that goal, when Kyogo scores, to make it 3-1, is an example of why Craig Gordon, I think, was Celtic were right to let him go. What's your thoughts on this one? Because it's a howler from him, isn't it?
0: Oh, I as as it's a it's a absolutely horrific mistake. I, I think it's it's maybe lost in translation a wee bit what folk were saying a couple of weeks ago. I I think that Craig Gordon is not the right goalkeeper for Celtic because Celtic play a certain way, which is you know playing it out from the back and, and all that kind of stuff. That's why Rodgers, uh, and and you obviously eventually um, sort of got him out of the the starting lineup. But I think that the argument that was being made is that he's. 10 times, 100 times better than Barkas and Bain. And I don't think that can be denied. (laughs) I think he is 100 times better as a goalkeeper than both of them probably combined. This is a really annoying one because it comes from Gordon's poor clearance in the first place. Um, He hits it on his weaker right foot. And it's, I mean, there's no Hearts player anywhere near. I think it's Edward that picks the ball up in the middle. And from there, Gordon just doesn't set himself because, again, it's a quick... Uh, you, you can't even call it a counter attack because you're already in Hearts half. But uh, Rogic gets the ball from Edouard, and then Kyogo, his movement is absolutely stunning, is brilliant. You know, he just waits for the the Hearts back line to to play him on side, and then he's, he bursts into action. It's a reasonable enough strike, but for me, it's an own goal because I think it's going wide. Um, if you watch it from uh, the the angle from the stand side, it, it looks like it's going to hit the poster, go wide, and it, it hits Craig Gordon the inside of his hand, and he kind of palms it into the net. So I, it was it was just. You know, as I say that, that's the first time that Craig Gordon's made a mistake for Hearts probably since uh, we played at Celtic Park, and what was that, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. He just he's he's never really made mistakes for Hearts. I know he made a few for Celtic, but he very very really does it for Hearts. Obviously, he just saves it for uh, for
1: Celtic Park. Hearts would have been gubbed without him because as much as he did make that mistake, I mean he kept you right in the game as well, especially even after that three one the saves he made from Edward and McGregor as well. Really, really good. I think McGregor even at one point actually applauded the save he made from the shot he had in the right foot about ten minutes to go. McGregor thought that was in. Gordon just got and scrambled out of nowhere to get that. And fair play in that respect because without him yesterday, he just would have been properly hosted.
0: Oh no, a hundred percent. Especially after that third goal went in, it was it was another onslaught for about 10-15 minutes where it was just seemed to be cross after cross after corner after corner. Every single time it was reaching a Celtic head in the middle of the box, and Craig Gordon was was making the saves, and that's 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 what he does. I, I've never, I suppose I don't know the ins and outs of it, but did Craig Gordon not win twelve trophies with Celtic.
1: Yes, he won a fair amount. Yes.
0: Yeah, and and Celtic fans don't like him. I mean, f- fair play.
1: When we conceded that second goal to Hearts yesterday, um, I think it was your sub Makinoff that scored. I mean, realistically, I probably shouldn't be sitting here moaning about it and and just hold my hands up and say, fair play, it was a a well-worked goal. But I felt there was a comedy of errors at the back for us, starting with Stephen Welsh, no cutting out the cross. Starfelt didn't get tight to Mac enough. And then even Joe Hart, the the ball goes in and Joe Hart tries to use his legs to stop it. And it goes in at his near post. And it's such a weird goal because it's like you're you're wondering how that actually... how it went in from that angle when Joe Hart had it fully covered. Now I know that it didn't really mean a lot in the end, and even when you made it three two, Robert, you must have thought it was a consolation rather than you were going to get one sort of final onslaught against us.
0: Aye, hundred percent. The game was the game was absolutely done. and You can kind of tell that by you know the, the way that Celtic lost the goal. Uh, the the intensity was gone. It was what, well into the ninety first minute by that stage, and there was only two minutes added on. Um, from a Hart's perspective it was it was fine, you know, we, we moved it from right to left. Um obviously there was a wee deflection on the cross, uh, which meant it, it got to Makin. And I think it's I think it's maybe slightly unfair to blame Hart because he's completely wrong footed by it. Like when the, by the time the ball comes into the box, you know, Hart's getting across to, to cover the middle of his goals and Makineth's put it back in that corner um past him. It's a, a really decent strike from McInnef as well. But yeah, from a Celtic perspective, it's it's not a good goal to lose because it was very simple in, in pretty much every aspect. It was pretty much what Celtic were doing to Hearts in the first half, whereby you know there was players being allowed time on the edge of the box to then find another player who had space uh, who could then get the ball into the box. And obviously Mac F, it's what he can do. It's you know late runs into the box, and that's what he's done. He's, he's timed it really well, and it's a it's a nice strike, a nice finish. Um, but to, listen, at that stage, the, the game was completely gone anyway. There was never. Never a chance we were going to get more possession and, and get the ball out the park. So, aye, it was it was all for nothing. It, it made the scoreline a lot more flattering than it should have been. Um, but that means nothing in, in knockout football.
1: Joe Hart probably should be more in the middle of his goal. He's completely covering his right-hand post and that's where it goes in. But, yeah, I'm not, again, just let Starfield, I'm not going to sit and limbast Hart. We've went through and this team will learn under the manager as well, especially when we bring in new defenders. If we bring in new defenders, I would have hoped we have got two but two in by now. But no, it looks like we're going to have the same back four for the AZ game. But anyway, we did go through three 2 one over Hearts. Gutted for you, Robert, but delighted for us. And thoughts as a Hearts fan on Celtic now, Robert. What's what's the main differences you have seen in the Celtic team compared to the Celtic team you saw in the cup final last season when we edged it? And of course, let's try and no mention the a certain manager who is banned on this podcast as well? <laughs>
0: See, for me, that the main thing about the Celtic team is the, the movement uh, and the way that the, the midfield, like, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the defence, I'm sure, but the way that the midfield and the attack um, knows where each other is. So you, you've got guys like David Turnbull and Tom Rogic who, you know, typically if you look at what Ange Big Angelos wants to do, um, is is have sort of this this high press and high intensity team? Turnbull and Rogic aren't really that type of player, but what they both offer is is just conviction in their passing, good passing, uh, chance creation, and you know they can both score goals themselves, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And then Kyogo, um, Kyogo's movement and his ability to sort of drop deeper, drop wide if he wants to. But for me, playing off the last man, playing off the shoulder, is, is where well as at his very best. And when you've got guys like James Forrest, Turnbull. Rogic, these guys who can who can pick a pass, and that is just a, a huge asset that will unpick every single defence uh, in in the league this season at some stage. Big big French Eddie um, again, just loves scoring against Hearts. So every time I've seen him, I've been impressed with him. I still think he's the best striker in Scotland. Um, but for me, like one of the biggest surprises, I suppose, almost is Anthony Ralston and uh, Greg Taylor and the, the improvement in both of them as players and and the way that they are sort of thriving in the the attacking formation that that Coglu plays because like so often you see Anthony Ralston like running through on goal from like a number 10 position or you've got Greg Taylor coming into center mid playing like inverted full back positions and i think that the way that they've bought into that and the way that they've improved as players um it, it says a lot because you know Brendan Rodgers improved guys like Callum uh, McGregor, Ryan Christie uh, James Forrest improved all of them to being you know regular Scotland players, all that kind of stuff. The manager that came after Rodgers and uh, and before the current manager, he didn't seem to improve any player. In fact, if anything, Celtic went backwards. So it's nice to see that players are getting properly coached, uh, and and the players are picking up on that coaching and, and they're improving because that's that's really what I've seen. The best examples of which are are you know Ralston and, and Taylor, but. David Turnbull's a, 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 an absolute superstar for me. I, I, I adore watching him play, and the fact he's got Tom Rogic playing as well is is quite something. So, listen in the space of a couple of weeks since you came to Timecastle Castle and got beat, uh, the improvement is is incredible. And I think that was always going to happen uh, when they're not just on the training pitch, but they're actually playing games and, and learning together in in games, and you can see that you know, quite rapidly that the players are buying into it. However, that back line uh, in the defensive sense, still, if I was a Celtic fan, would make me shite myself most
1: games. Celtic play Hearts next at Celtic Park on the 1st of December 2021 and we're a few months away for that. So, Robert, what sort of changes do you expect to see in a few months' time for that game and will the transfer window for Hearts have any say in how that game goes? What do you think your transfer window is going to be like um until it slams shut this guy sports would say
0: for me we need another centre half um, I like Stephen Kingsley a lot but I think he's best served at left, uh, left wing back and he is our best left wing back so if we're going to stick with you at the back which I think we should uh, then a left sided centre half and a bit of the, the John Suter mode someone who can play football and step out would be very nice uh, it looks like we're signing an Australian international Cammy Devlin uh, he's another central midfielder kind of similar to Beningamy in some ways so a lot of energy uh, tackling tries to get forward when he can, but it's more about playing in a sort of midfield four. Uh, so both of them having a lot of energy. So he'll come in. And I'd like to see us sign another striker as well. Um, I think we're going to be heavily reliant on Liam Boyce this season. Um, and I think that if he gets an injury, then we could be, we could be in a lot of trouble. Um, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm relatively happy with how Harts are. You know, that's that's Harts' first defeat since April, I think, um, and in competitive games. So I'm pretty happy with the way the team's going, um, but I think that you know when it comes to December, uh, we'll see a, a few a few extra bodies in that Hearts team, a few different bodies in that Hearts team, and that game will be at Celtic Park, won't it? It will. Yeah, so I congratulate Celtic on their four-one win <laughs> uh, on the first of December, 2021. Because if we're honest, it doesn't matter who Hearts sign or or what they do. Uh, a game in Glasgow at Celtic Park is is never going to end well for us.
1: Well, a game in Glasgow at Celtic Park is one you've not won since 2009. We were discussing that last night, weren't we? And it was a Michael Stewart penalty in the League Cup that seen you guys go through. So, Robert, what's been the best heart side since then that have failed to win at Celtic Park? Because I think in the 15-16 season you did get a 0-0 draw when I believe you could have won but F.E. Ambrose was sent off an in injury time for hauling down one of your players, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, that, that's right. So, I mean, that 2015-16 that team was, obviously, that was under Robbie Nielsen as well. We we went on to finish third that season. It was a good team, and it's one that that went to Celtic Park with a lack of fear. I think it was quite an attacking lineup we put out that day. Um... And, you know. Even the season before that, I think uh, we played in the Cup and Adam Eckersley scored an own goal. But we, we did play well. Or Osmond so missed a penalty, that's right. We played well in that game as well. But I think the best the best team to go to Celtic Park and lose um, is probably under Jim Jeffries, which was just after the 2009 uh, game that you're talking about. I think it was the season after. And that was the last time that Hearts were the last time that Hearts were good on the road. Um, so I think we won nine away games that season, which is, is good for Hearts. Um and I think we, we in fact no we did we ended up finishing third that season as well and I'm pretty sure that is the year that Egert Johnson missed the penalty mm,
1: no that was the season after 11-12 when Fraser Foster made that save
0: yeah you're, you're spot on yeah that was 11-12 that was Paulo Sergio Um, but the, the year before that when we had like Kevin Kyle David and Suso Ian Black Darren Barr um, Lucas and Webster at the back like, it was a, a properly good team but one that one that played with belief when it went away for home. Uh, but, but obviously, once again, <laughs> going to Celtic Park, it doesn't matter how much belief you play with. If you're wearing maroon, uh, it's, it's not going to end that well. So I, I think that's probably the best team that's gone on to to lose there um, since 2009. But aye, 2015-16 was a, a decent side as well. And I think if we'd plages there at the start of the season, we might have had a better chance because we did tail off a wee bit that year. But um, I, I, I'd, I'd say... I'd say that's uh, that's the best uh, that's the best we've had since then. But I think our record since then is like was it seventeen losses and two draws or something?
1: Um, pretty poor. We're at the end of this wonderful podcast, and it's been anything but sad, even though hearts didn't go through, and you've had to put up with me passive aggressively gloating at you, Robert.
0: Well, I had to put up with you passive ag- passive aggressively gloating at me yesterday as well, uh, alongside a, a bunch of other good strawberry pims. So, uh, aye, it was a. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a good 24 hours, Stevie, and, and very cathartic.
1: So, Robert, for any of the Celtic fans listening that, for some reason, if they've got brain damage, want to actually hear more about what a Hearts fan says on the internet, where can they find you and what you do?
0: Hey, listen, I'm a very level headed Hearts fan, Stevie. I'm sure Celtic fans will love following me. Uh, I am at RF Borthwick on Twitter. That's it. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to follow uh, our Scottish football podcast uh, that, that, that has no bias whatsoever. Um, is at Terrace Podcast and then the TV show that will be returning to your screens hopefully uh, in the next month or so is at the Terrace TV uh, where again we take a reverent sideways look at the game that we call football. Uh, That is from the BBC bio by the way, none of us ever wrote that.
1: Robert, thank you very much for coming on.
0: Thank you Stevie, cheers mate
1: Right, so this has been episode 60 of the Glasgow Is Green podcast aka Gigpod. I'm Stevie thanks a lot for tuning in the schedule this week is, as I'm a real fan, going to the game on Wednesday. Rizzo and Spunk Phone will be covering the AZ Alkmaar match. We're hopefully doing joyous mood to talk about take taking an excellent first leg result over to Holland with them. We know what Rizzo and Spunk Phone can be like when they're in bad moods, eh, such as when they were talking about Hearts beating this 2-1 a couple of weeks ago. Robert, don't say anything please. So, ho- so hopefully we're not going to get a repeat of that type of podcast again, and it will be positive one, just let Celtic start to the season eventually, related as it is so once more, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify or anywhere to get your podcasts, please rate and review and again, a massive shout out to our sponsors, SwissMovement www.swissmovement.co where if you use the code GIGPOD88 you get 10% off all watches there and free UK delivery as well, a massive thanks to the guys there and thanks to you guys for tuning in we'll see you very soon
0: Podcast Network.